Hello and welcome to the Leaders' Council podcast, the podcast for the people who run the country and the people who keep the country running. You join us in yet another deserted day here in the capital. I'm Matthew O'Neill, and today, as always, we ensure that we have a variety of distinct perspectives on leadership. First, we're joined by Martin Higgins, Chief Executive of House of Martin, a firm that fine-tunes residences and works with domestic staff to entrench impeccable standards of service and organization. Martin, hello. Hi, Matthew. How are you? Thank you so much for inviting me today. Thank you for coming on the program. Um, We would be remiss if we didn't address the elephant in the room. Uh, How is your business coping with the COVID-19 outbreak? Well, actually not very well, of course. Um, I've got my clients, most of which have various homes in other parts of the country and the world. And of course, as I would, they are um, moving out of London. So I've got some clients who are self-isolating in the, in the mountains around Stad, mm-hmm. others who are entrenched in the Hamptons and others in, um, in LA. Mm-hmm. So um, the main thing is that, you know, they're all keeping safe. They've got their living staff who are looking after them and also staying safe. And um, that's all well. And, you know, this is something which is bringing communities together. Mm -hmm. And it's a very leveling experience, I think, as well. So as long as, you know, we keep our spirits up and follow the guidelines that are laid out by, you know, the Prime Minister, then um, I think we'll get through this all okay. Now, uh, getting into the field of leadership, uh, as most yeah. of my longtime listeners will expect, I love to start the conversation with the simple question, what does the word leader mean to you? Being a good leader, um, I think it is, is somebody who isn't, it isn't about giving direction or showing control. It's all about um, caring for your, your team and nurturing and teaching. You know, anybody can, you know, take charge of the situation and delegate and all of this. But I think to have a good team around you who look up to you and respect, and of course, they'll only respect you if you show them respect back and then learn about them. So, you know, if you've got a good team around you, you want to know, you know, where they want to be. So you can nurture them to, you know, the, the next level. Um, you can give them training. They come to you as, um, you know, not the same necessarily a father figure, but as a leader <laughs> and, you know, somebody that can show direction they respect and look up to. I think that is so important. I think without that, then, of course, it's that situation when the cat's away, the mouse will play. Of course. So you don't have any um, respect. You don't have any, you have to be there the whole time. And literally, you're just doing crisis management as opposed to, you know, a situation as a good leader. I was told by um, somebody I worked with many, many years ago is somebody that in a position, you can end up almost sort of delegating everything and leaving the cold cold to others. They just come to you when they don't know what to do, which I think is a good situation. Then it's obviously Mm. time to move on to another team and start training them. So, you know, as a leader, you basically are training new leaders, I would say. Now, how would you describe your personal leadership style? Very, um, I, I like to give and I think I like to train and I like to create confidence and the harmony. I think you see so many people out there as well who, you know, tend to, 
lead because they, they think the best way to lead is um, by shouting at people and telling them what to do, leading by fear. Mm-hmm. And I think that's completely the wrong thing to do. You know, you want to, as I said before, gain respect. And, um, you know, I think a lot of it is down if you're creating a team or have an existing team, is understanding the people that are with you. Right. Some of that could be in the, you know, uh, initial recruitment stages. So obviously you want to recruit people who you know can do the job and, you know, can work with you. And one of the main questions I always ask is where do you see yourself um, in an interview in five years' time, ten years' time? So you get to know what that person wants to do in life. And if that's in the position that you're offering can help them to that aim, then that's great. And I think if it, if it isn't, I'd say, well, look, you know, I think you're fantastic for the position. However, you know, this is, may not be taking you to where you want to be to the next stage in your life. So I think you have right. to be very honest, very honest indeed. And then when that person is with you, you know, it's about giving back. So if you can give back as much wisdom and much of the knowledge that you've learned in your career, um, whether it be profession or, or, or um, you know, just in, in everyday life and solution solving, then I think that that is a good, good mm. form of leadership. And that's what I like to promote. And again, somebody where they know that, you know, you've got their back, that you respect them and that, you know, at the end of the day, as a leader, the book stops with you. There's no point saying, well, this wasn't done because he didn't do it. No, the, the reason that wasn't done is because he didn't <laughs> do it because you hadn't trained him to mm. it or there was an issue where he didn't know. So I think, you know, you've got to take responsibility. You have to be understand your people and know that they're there, you're there for them. Mm-hmm. And again, in my role in, um, you know, has been in, in uh, bustling private households where you're the sort of go between between family members and staff. And of course, you're they know that you res- you're going to be um, representing the staff at the same time you're respect- re- representing the family. So again, there's a lot of diplomacy there. And if they come to you with a you know, an issue, then they need to understand that that's private. Mm-hmm. And again, there's a whole issue on, you know, teaching some reprimanding somebody. You know, you do it in a certain way where it won't affect them or they're involved with other people. So you don't tell them off in such ways or mm-hmm. make them demeaning. You know, everything is all about encouragement and making them grow. And, there's, and the thing, another thing, you know, obviously we all know we're all human. Everybody makes, makes mistakes. And one of the best ways to learn, which I always, you know, teach the people I'm with, is through mistakes. If everything is perfect the whole time, then nothing grows. It's only through um, bad times and mistakes and errors that we know we can change path and go in another direction. Um, so I always, especially if it's in training thing, I encourage people to make mistakes, especially if I'm around. Um, I mean... You know, I remember one instance, we did a big reception. I think it was an apartment in Manhattan. And, um, you know, because we had all the catering staff there. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, again, the person in control didn't really have a tremendous amount of initiative. So, of course, all the waiting staff were, um, you know, under his control. So whatever he said they did. So, of course, initially the people all coming down one staircase, going straight into dinner and all that was fine. Because the last minute, they changed. They went through another entrance. And, of course, they didn't change from serving drinks at one door to the other. And it was, right. you know, it was terrible. So, you know, I think having that initiative so people can 
know and act and ask questions and feel that they're comfortable doing that to the leader can solve any problems if you're not there. Before I let you go, I'd like to touch a bit on uh, the beginning of your career. You started out uh, your working life in the royal household. Uh, has That's that right. has that had a major effect on the way that you lead today? Yes, definitely. I think, well, two positions. One, before booking pilots, I was in um, hotel management. Right. And in there, you know, I was working at the top part of the hotels. And the main um, thing I learned there was doesn't matter what's going on back of house, even if you're reduced to two members of staff and you've got the whole thing, whatever happens in the front of house, it doesn't matter. Service goes on as normal. Um, and that's, you know, it's been sort of my mantra from day one. But then going to Buckingham Palace, that was a great experience because it, um, you know, you're working with the finest silver, the finest crystal, the finest antique. You're meeting, um, you know, heads of state, celebrities, anybody who's anybody in society. So, you know, after three years of there, it becomes sort of almost a norm. Mm. <laughs> so going from there to any other um, home, residence, hotel, whatever it may be, you've been used to working with the best of everything. So nothing phases you. Right. So you can open the door and it could be, I know, the King of Tonga. <laughs> and, you know, it doesn't matter. You, you've met them, you know how to behave. Um, if it's a big celebrity, you don't get stage struck. Um, so that's the main thing that I learned. Um, and of course, standards, um, which again, in, in my line of work is, is, is paramount. And that's both in your conduct, the way you address people. Um, and again, I think, you know, speaking with a smile, showing kindness, strength, empathy, mm-hmm. and compassion are again, key words, especially in leadership, um, when everything starts from the top, you know, mm. all your the staff and everything else follow your lead. So if you're uh, an unkind, angry person who doesn't help others, then that's going to be reflected all the way down. If you're right. somebody who gives, nurtures, um, shows empathy, understanding, then that can change a situation in any household or any environment very, very quickly. And, and, it, and it works. It really works. Now, unfortunately, our time has drawn to its close. Uh, but before I let you go, what does the next 12 months have in store for House of Martin? Well, at the moment, I am working on uh, my social media presence, which um, is, is, has been interesting. Um, my book was published a couple of months ago, From Chaos to Calm. Mm-hmm. And it's about how to create and maintain a well-run household. Mm-hmm. So um, that, that's been exciting. We have created a software um, program which will aid the organization for families between, you know, multiple homes so they can have access to all their information at their fingertips. And if you have staff between, you know, different residents in different time zones, then they can access whatever information is relevant to them, whether it be contacts, inventories, event information, travel schedules, calendars, whatever it may be. So that's something which hasn't existed before in one program, which we're very excited about. And uh, it's going to be promoting that. Well, Martin, it has um, been a lot of work ahead. Sorry? A lot of work ahead. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Martin, it's been an absolute pleasure discussing leadership with you. And I very much look forward to having you back on the program at some point in the future. Martin, thank you. Thank you so much, Matthew. Thank you very much indeed. 
That was Martin Higgins, chief executive of House of Martin and author of From Chaos to Calm. And now, if you haven't heard it before, it's Jonathan White's exclusive interview with Sir Jeff Hurst. We're now joined, uh, though, by former England footballer and still the only man to score a hat-trick in a World Cup final, Sir Jeff Hurst. Uh, thank you very much for coming on today. Uh, You're welcome. You're welcome. Good afternoon. Uh, and perhaps I should uh, start and get it over and done with. I know you must be bored with it and uh, you've probably been asked a thousand times. But when you got out for a duck playing for Essex, uh, Jeff, what was going through your head at the time? <laughs> well, of course, that's not one of the most asked questions I get. Oh, there, there are one or two people who are very familiar um, uh, who do Google me realise that I did uh, score nothing for Essex. Uh, for my only game for Essex first team when we played against Lancashire in Liverpool, a place called uh, uh, Egbert in, in, uh, in Liverpool, many, many years ago, 1962, I think that was. So I didn't, and, um, yes, I, I didn't really feel it at the time. It was lucky to be playing, I guess, with one or two injuries. Um, but the problem that I had was, was really messing about between the two sports. That was very detrimental to me uh, over that period of time, mm-hmm. being stuck between the two sports. And I think uh, for those that uh, don't know, there's a there's a, another world that might exist where um, Sir Jeff Hurst was a, a first-class cricketer and not perhaps a, a footballer. But um, whether it's business or cricket or, or football, obviously the importance of leadership, it can't be understated, no matter what form that comes in. When you were at West Ham, uh, Jeff, and when um, Ron Greenwood first uh, uh, came along, he made obviously some pretty radical changes was this a man that genuinely inspired confidence uh, the first time you'd meet him? Absolutely. I mean, he, he was simply a, a fantastic uh, coach or teacher, if you like, at football. And uh, the, the quite always mentioned when we talk about Ron Greenwood, Harry Redknapp, who was played under him and has been very successful as a player and, and a manager over many, many, many years. He and He's come across many coaches, of course, and managers during his time over years, I guess he would still say that Ron Greenwood is the best coach he had worked with. He'd worked with. So you're very fortunate. I think you just think you're lucky when you come across if you have a great teacher at school and a great coach as we had in Ron Greenwood and, of course, a great manager in South Ramsey. So to come across people like that, that calibre, can have a huge influence on your your career, of course, and, and then your life. And that's, that's quite purely the case. Absolutely. And in those early days um, at West Ham, uh, with, with a manager like uh, Ron uh, there, it's also important to have uh, uh, confidence with your other players. And of course, they become your friends. Who did you look at to at the time uh, when to inspire confidence in yourself? Was it more? Was it Peter's? I think probably, well, I was very fortunate to play with the talent of the players I did. Again, again, extremely fortunate to play with you know, the captain um, of England and West Ham and Martin Peters, who was a fantastic player. And some, as far as Martin's concerned, I think sometimes he didn't quite get the uh, recognition he deserved and what a wonderful player he was. In terms of inspiring confidence, I always probably say that the biggest influence uh, for me, I guess, would be the captain, Bob Noor. Although he was only... Uh, about eight months older than me, he graduated through the system probably three or four years earlier. He played for England in 62, four years before the final when I played. And so he, he was more 
looked at it upon him more as a senior player, if you like, not as a, a guy in the same age group as me. And I looked at how he how he uh, trained, how he acted, how he behaved, and how he played. And so he he would say, I would also say he was a big influence on me. One thing I would say about leadership, uh, what I do, I do understand clearly in all walks of life, leadership is at the top, is absolutely vital for a, a, for a business, a football team, in any walk of life to be successful. And it's quite evident I was in the motor trade for a long time as well, selling car warranties to car dealerships. And you could almost tell when you walked into the business, uh, in a, many of the car dealerships, you could almost tell from the moment you walked in by initial reaction people came and welcomed you that the business was well run or conversely not well run at all. And so I understand the, the value and quality of leadership. And that's why I'm very fortunate to involved in my career in those early days with two two great leaders in, in Ron Greenwood and, and Alf Ramsey. Absolutely. And um, since you've already uh, brought him up, uh, Jeff, I think it'd be remiss not to go a little bit further with that. But obviously, uh, after uh, at West Ham, your uh, plan came to the attention of uh, South Ramsey. Now, there's a man, I'm sure, when you walked into a room, you knew who was um, in charge when it came to managing that England team, what was his style like, Jeff? Well, one thing, the first thing I say about Ramsey, he's probably over my life the most powerful influence who had on me um, as a person. Um, mm. Naturally, it happens to an extent because he's got your whole career in his hand. Whether he picks you for England or he doesn't pick you, it can have a great impact on your <laughs> your career and of course your life. But yep. in that era, I was involved for six or seven years. He, it was quite clear who was the boss. He was quite very, very strict. Probably at a time, maybe overly strict, but at a time you probably wouldn't get necessarily get away with it in, in today's football because it's changed dramatically in how you deal with with players then and players now. But he was the most powerful man I came across, and very few people. And he, he was quite ruthless in getting people out who he didn't want to be who didn't want to be part of a group, part of a team. It is important that if you've got a group of people, and that's in any walk of life, they're all singing off the same hymn for you. And you don't have anybody that's griping or moaning about the system. And if you've got people like that in the organization, one thing I have learned, and I've taken it on in my life, my family, you've got somebody in the group that doesn't want to be part of it, you, you get them out. And Alf, I think, was was quite ruthless with that in his, in his staff. And I think that's one, thing I, one of the most serious ones I think I've learned over a long period of time. And is there, do you think, uh, a, a specific moment? I'm sure there's probably dozens, but is there a specific moment, Jeff, you could uh, perhaps pick right now that did show those uh, qualities in uh, Sir Alf so uh, sharply? Yes, I think for, for me, certainly, um, I think there are instances of players who you thought would, would be in the team or certainly in the squad, and surprising there were not. There was no necessary reason for it. But looking mm. back, I do think perhaps they were people that Alf didn't think wanted to be part of the group. Um, so that, that's that for me. In terms of my personal view, I think that it looked prior to the um, World Cup that I was going to be playing um, in it only a few games before. I was, I was playing and I played with Jimmy Greaves in the game against Yugoslavia only a couple of months before the final. And it looked at that stage as if I was going to be 
be playing in, in the team. But in a couple of friendly games, more friendly games before the final in Poland and uh, uh, Norway, I think, in Denmark, mm. I didn't. I played two of the four games, and I probably didn't quite replicate my my form that I'd been showing at West Ham and in the early couple of games for England. And he he left me out in the first game of, of the World Cup against uh, Uruguay. He started off with Jimmy Green and Roger Hunt. so mm. I, I had an impact of thinking I. At that stage, like I was going to play and didn't start because of just a lack of form. I didn't play quite well enough to justify my position. And somewhat fortuitously, I only got back in the team because of a, a nasty gash to shin um, on Jimmy Glee's leg. And I think what you've said there, uh, Jeff, actually does sum that up really well. And more than that, whilst it's important to have that someone in charge with those qualities, it's almost useless if there isn't a strong and unified team behind them. And there really must have been moments, maybe there weren't, but uh, let us know in that 66 competition, the prolonged pressure on all of you, you know, the weight of a nation, did it get to you? Oh, not for me personally, no. I I think, and I don't, uh, not for me, not for a second. I think Mm. I was just happy to be I'd be involved in the squad initially. Uh, not at all. I didn't. You're not aware of the magnitude of the occasion, really. Looking back out, mm. so I never really felt. People talk about pressure a lot, and it's there. And people, players talk about. People talk about it in life. I didn't really feel necessarily feel any great pressure pressure during the time I was there. And what is also important to say about Alf Ramsey, the people he, he left behind that were left in the squad after he moved one or two players out. The squad were uh, a, a bunch of very hard-nosed, professional, uh, top-quality people. And that was, again, the leadership that Al showed. He, he got people in together that were very, very strong personally. Um, uh, and I think that was part of the success we had. We were very, I always describe our, our group as hard-nosed professionals. Uh, we had some great players, but overall, they were great hard-nosed professional players. Um, and great quality people who we've kept in contact with, you know, over the years. And Jeff, I've got to ask, and I'm, I'm not making this up, I've genuinely heard that people do ask you whether or not you realised there were people on the pitch at that moment. I imagine you were busy on something else. Well, I, I did some theatre shows last year. They've gone fairly well, and we're going to do a series of uh, theatre shows, in fact, starting this week over the next uh, three months. And uh, at the end of the theatre shows, we have about 20 minutes where we uh, uh, allow the people in the audience to ask questions. And there's, I won't mention both. It's too long to talk about both questions. Um, one, The other one's a really stupid one. It's too long for me to tell you. It's absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> but the, the, the other ridiculous question I get asked, did I realise there were people on the pitch? And of course, I jokingly say, "Yes, I was just about to to shoot to score the goal, and I looked round, put my foot on the ball, and looked round for a little while, and said, oh dear, there are six or seven people running on the pitch.' So that's uh, I've had been asked that once at one of the theatre shows. <laughs> so I joke, make a joke about that, and saying, "Yes, I put my foot on the ball and waited, but just had a, look, had a glance round, you know." Maybe it does prove there are things that such as stupid questions, really. Um, oh, yeah, there, are, there certainly are. I've got another one which I won't bore you with. It won't be too long to tell you. 
Uh, I was in a Jersey or Channel Line, Jersey or Jersey, two or three mm. years ago, and most stu- stupid, irrelevant questions that absolutely nothing to do with football whatsoever, which uh, was absolutely. But I can use that now because it, it is quite funny. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe another time then. But we. Um, uh, well, you want me, I, I can tell you if you want. You want. You got time. I can tell, I tell you if you want. Jeff, go on. Go. On. I think I'd be, it would be silly if I said no at this point. Okay, so I was uh, doing a. a at a dinner in the you know, Channel Lines, three or four hundred people, black tie dinner, uh, guest of honour. Mm-hmm. And this occasion, I was speaking for about 20 minutes, then allowing uh, questions from the audience at the end of the evening. And there was a football questions. And then all of a sudden, I heard a, somebody at the back who, who asked a question. I didn't quite hear what he said. He didn't have the microphone with him. So I said, I didn't hear what he said. Can you please give mm-hmm. this chap the microphone so I can hear clearly what he said? So the chap had the mic and he said, when a turtle loses its shell, is it naked or is it homeless? Right. <laughs> what, what a question. What a question. Uh, well, I think that would be in, definitely in the stupid category, wouldn't it? So we had a laugh about that. Uh, well, uh, and we, you've got to have a patient of a saint, I think, sometimes to put up with <laughs> well, things no, like I that. Just, but then I again, found it amusing. I just found it amusing. In fact, some of the audience found it highly amusing as well. So it did... Uh, um, but then again, if you, put, if you can put up with my questions, you can probably put up with uh, anything. Um, <laughs> but th- there would have become a point, though, um, Jeff. I think um, you, you were a young man when see, this happened. When you must have realised that people, teammates, began looking at you for leadership. Um, is that something that occurred to you, or did you just realise that by by quick one way or the other? people actually begin to look up for you for inspiration? Well, possibly. That's never really struck me until you've actually mentioned it now, quite frankly. That's a new a new question. Mm. Does anybody look up to me? I'm sure perhaps uh, there are. There are people who pay you compliments of, of uh, fans of, of West Ham and uh, of Stoke and, of course, in, uh, England fans who... Um, I, I think probably... Yeah, it would be very immodest of me to to suggest that I, I felt that somebody was looking to me for inspiration. Um, well, you, but, you don't but have that, to, but I will. Uh, well, um, it's, it's okay for a third party to do it. Uh, perhaps, um, perhaps that may have been the case over the years. Uh, people look at you, and um, uh, maybe uh, it has a, a helpful effect. Uh, but I do think you, you, how you behave and set examples on and off the pitches. People must realise that that's, that has an influence. How you react and behave mm. to, to situations on and off the field surely probably has an impact to younger players coming in into the team laterally. Um, yeah, and and with that, looking at um, uh, football today, uh, is there anybody that you think particularly on the field or the sidelines that strikes you as someone with? Um, those qualities that you could identify in a in a natural leader. Um, well, a, a player, current players, you mean? Oh, players, managers, anybody that uh, you look to today, really? Well, I think some of the outstanding. I think the, the, the best example about a, a leader and at the moment is is, is uh, Klopp at Liverpool. Mm. He has been absolutely fantastic to uh, acquire the players and get them to. 
their attitude is absolutely fantastic. They're great players, but there's more than just being good players in football. It's that a good player with a fantastic attitude and their willingness to work for each other and the team is absolutely outstanding. Hence these unbelievable results. There are, you know, and the great players not always succeed as, as individuals or probably even uh, certainly as a team if you haven't got the right attitude alongside it. And they're probably, and that, that comes through the leadership. That's not just luck. Absolutely. That's, that's absolutely leadership. He'd be the best example, of course, in, in football terms today. Uh, easily, easily. And of course, but going back not that long ago, Alex Ferguson is just absolutely, mm. you've got to take him as the first example, but Klopp's only done this over a period of time, a short period of time. But if you look at the 25, 26, 27 years that Alex Ferguson did with Manchester United, and subsequently since he's gone, how they, they are not doing so well. He's the best example of management I've seen. We've seen, we've probably ever seen, and I don't think anybody will see the light of that kind of leadership again. It's ast- absolutely astonishing, astonishing. And do you think? Could you imagine uh, Sir Alf or even Ron Greenwood managing teams today? Yes, I think so. I think yes, no, mm. no question at all. I think they, uh, Ron Greenwood, yeah. Well, the, the answer, straightforward answer, is yes. Um, they, <laughs> the straightforward answer is yes. I can elaborate as much as you want, but the straight answer is absolutely categorically yes. Uh, and with, um, I know uh, if we could talk about this probably for the next hour or so, but um, I'm conscious of the um, time. Um, looking um, back uh, through your um, playing career, perhaps especially um, your time uh, for England. Who was it uh, that struck you more than anyone else on the pitch uh, that displayed qualities of not just leadership but uh, companionship and and level headedness that you think that have stuck with you all these years later? Well, I think we were, I was very fortunate, and I wouldn't pick any one player out. I think looking at so that, many. yeah, so many, and that's why we were successful because we had so many. Um, showing all those qualities that you just mentioned uh, throughout the team, I think that that was outstanding, and uh, uh, and it's an opportunity to talk about uh, all of them in, in that breath. And there was nobody. And I'm going back from an earlier earlier question for me that um, all hard nosed professionals, good good teammates, mm. good socially, and that's why we kept in touch with each other on our golf days. Every year, uh, up until about five years ago, of course, with, with the uh, sadly dwindling yes. numbers, we we still got on. Our wives got on all together. All those years later, it didn't just finish after '66. That reunion, that camaraderie, that team spirit, mm. um, getting on with each other, lasted for, for a long, long, long time. And I wouldn't and- when it, when you put those those questions and how you categorise those. I would pick every one of the 11 players um, who you put in that category that were like that. There was nobody else. They were all outstanding. And I think that was a big part. I can't stress how big a part that was. And I've said that many, many times for the success of the team. We had some great players. We had some great players, of course. But without the attitude alongside that, going back to an earlier question, 
you we wouldn't have been as uh, ultimately ultimately as successful. Exactly. Without that, you, the 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 whole will never be greater than the sum of its parts. But with it, yes, the word the word is showed, team, the word is the word is team. Absolutely. And I always use the word team when I talk. Sometimes you know, together, everyone achieves more, and that that's the same in any walk of life. That, that's fundamental. And uh, lastly, uh, Jeff, looking if if you were to uh, give advice, and whether this is in sport or business or indeed any other walk of life. What would you identify, if you can, as the key tenant uh, that you can't go without in terms of leading a team, no matter what that team is? Single-mindedness, uh, single-mindedness, dedication, dedication to the job. Um, thinking about that 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 role, that job in leadership all the time. It's a huge part of your life. If you, I don't think you can switch off. When you're in, in business at the top level or sport at the top level, you may, you know, have a, wait, have a couple of weeks holiday. But I'm even sure if, if these top managers and lead, leaders in all walks of life are away on holiday on a beach somewhere warm, I'm sure there's not, uh, there's, they will not switch off for, for two weeks um, and completely uh, not think about their role as the boss of an organization. And I think that's. You're completely focused. You're always thinking about uh, things, thinking about improvements, and it's just dedication and uh, uh, tuning your life to being successful. Excellent. Well, Jeff, on that point, thank you very much for joining us today. You're welcome. Very good to nice to have a talk about this and just go over this, go over the past and just uh, refresh my mem- my own memory about the quality of the players I grew up with. Excellent. Uh, another time, uh, it would be great to talk again. Thank, thank you, Jonathan. Thank you. This has been the Leaders' Council podcast. Thank you for celebrating excellence in leadership with us. I have been your host, Matthew O'Neill. Until next time, goodbye. Thank you for listening to our podcast. The views expressed within the podcast do not reflect the views of the Leaders' Council of Great Britain and Northern Ireland, its parent company or subsidiaries, members of staff, other guests, or any other person therein associated.